0: And before you're seated, we're going to recite the Apostles' Creed together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. So once again, welcome. We're glad to have you with us. We are coming to the end of our uh, series on the Apostles' Creed. Um, frankly, we could keep this up through Easter and beyond but um, uh, because every one of these lines you could do a whole series on and we have just sort of touched on each of them and we're coming into holiday season and stuff and so we're, i I 11 weeks for a series is way beyond what I would normally do, and uh, so we, we're, we're compressing some of these together, but I've enjoyed the time, I think it's a great uh, way for us to just... Um Get on the same page as to what orthodox uh, understanding of the, the biblical message is and uh, appreciate your participation in that. Today we're, we're in that section on the Holy Spirit, that last paragraph about the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church. We addressed that when we were out at Camp Mystic, the idea of the body of Christ, uh, the, the hands and feet of Christ. Uh, what we're going to focus on today are these three lines the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, and the resurrection of the body. The communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and we're going to spend most of our time on the resurrection of the body. The communion of saints, the communion of saints is that understanding of all those who have uh, placed themselves in Christ, who have had uh, a relationship with God in which they are found righteous, and we know the only way to be found righteous is through the ministry of Jesus Christ. Before Jesus... uh, Faith was the, the key there. Abraham listened to God, followed, obeyed him, and it was reckoned unto him as righteousness, it says in Romans chapter 4. But Jesus, as he comes on, his ministry was effective for his time before and uh, after. And our, our way to be in relationship with God is in Christ. That's a very Pauline phrase, Paul in his letters, which is about two-thirds of the New Testament, Paul in his letters uses the phrase, in Christ, over and over again. And what that means is those who don't just believe that there is a deity, don't just believe that Jesus was a good person, but those who have placed their life in His hands. Those who live with Him as Savior. Those who seek to do all the things that He did. Those who love the Lord our God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength and love their neighbor as their himself, They are in Christ. And the idea of the communion of the saints, number one, anyone who is in Christ is a saint. Um, turn to the person next to you and say, Hello, saint.
1: It's got a very low bar, um, for,
0: uh, saints are anyone who, who are, is in Christ. And the, the, the communion of saints is that fellowship, that gathering, that community of all those who believe, not just like in this room. And not just all those who are worshiping all over the world today, uh, uh, praising Jesus Christ and giving glory to God, but all who have done it in the past and in God's timing, all those who will do it in the future, the communion of saints. The other way uh, it's talked about in Hebrews is the great cloud of witnesses that that gathers. And uh, this week is Halloween. I think Tuesday is Halloween. Uh, November 1st in the Protestant church is All Saints Day. And in All Saints Day, we typically remember those who have gone on before us. and And part of that is the Christian hope and faith that those folks are not gone from us, that they are alive and active in the kingdom of heaven how that works, none of us really understand. Uh, People ask me, like, do people in heaven look down on us? And I, I mean, part of that is that's romantic to a point, but like, I don't want my grandma to know some of the things I do. (laughs) So I hope she's shielded from some of my bad decisions in that, right? I don't know how that works, but somehow in the kingdom of heaven, those folks are gathered rooting for us and, and praying for uh, for uh, Jesus' return and for our redemption and our faith in the midst of that. The communion of saints, the great cloud of witnesses. Y'all, uh, We're, we're going to get to the, the resurrection in a moment, and that's we, we, we're going to enter the great cloud of witnesses at some point. The other is the forgiveness of sins. And, and it seems weird to have forgiveness of sins under the Holy Spirit because actually Jesus Christ is the one that, that raised, uh, that won forgiveness for us, right? Jesus, the Lamb of God the sacrifice we we used to in the old testament you brought a sacrifice to the temple to the altar uh, in order to win uh, forgiveness uh, for from your sins but that was a temporary stopgap that God allowed to keep people in relationship but you had to come over and over and over again and you brought a uh, uh, undefiled lamb or or dove or the first fruits of your crop or whatever it was you brought uh, an Offering to lay before the Lord as a way to say "I'm sorry" and please forgive me, but that that didn't really t- do away with sin. It was again a, a sort of a stopgap by God to, to keep us in touch with Him. But when Jesus came into the world, He came as the Lamb of God. No longer do we have to offer a lamb or an animal because Jesus is the sacrifice for us when he went and submitted himself to baptism with John the Baptist, his cousin. As he came out of the water, the heavens opened. A voice came and said, This is my son with whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. Right? John, as Jesus was making his way out, John had gathered a group of followers because of the ministry he was doing. He pointed at Jesus and said, Go with him. That's the Lamb of God. Behold, the Lamb of God. Jesus, who had no sin, became sin for us. By his stripes, we are healed. He gave his life. Jesus wasn't murdered. Jesus gave Himself for us. He gave up His life, suffered death, so the one who didn't deserve it did it for those of us who didn't deserve it so that we can have it. Does that make sense? It's because of Jesus Christ that we are are forgiven. The reason forgiveness is listed with the Holy Spirit is because it's through the Holy Spirit in which we experience that. Right? The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is a spirit that that is in us, moving us closer to God, sanctifying us and, and pointing out the sin in our life. And so we experience the, the forgiveness of God through Jesus Christ in the presence of the Holy Spirit. We believe you, that sins are forgiven. You are, you have the potential to not be tethered by your past mistakes. You have the potential to live a new life. You have the, actually, we'll take it farther in Wesleyan theology. You have the potential to conquer sin, even in this life, by living fully in tune with the Spirit and God. Now, I'm not gonna claim that, and I don't think any of you should that you've reached that point. I know too many of you. <laughs> but we're on our way toward perfection, right? We believe in the forgiveness of sins. We believe
1: in the resurrection of the body.
0: Resurrection of the body. That's where we're going to spend most of our time. I think all of us have a bunch of questions about heaven. What's it going to look like? What? What? what when a common question is, how do I get there? I can answer that one definitively. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? Are you in Christ? If so, you don't need, you don't need, it's not a guessing game. If you're in Christ, then you have the Father, you have the Son, you have the Holy Spirit, you have everything you need for salvation. Continue to live in Christ. You don't have to wonder where you're going. You, you know that you will end up with Him in eternity. But what does it look like? And, and what, what, what's it going to be like when we get there? Are we going to be floating around like, do we get wings like angels? Are we going to be floating around like spirits? Do we get bodies when we get to heaven? Are they going going to look like this body. I'm going to have to carry this for all eternity what's what's it about we're going to we're going to talk about resurrection and and resurrection is one of those things uh throughout the bible there's stories of resurrection elijah raised a a little girl from the dead elisha even after he died uh, a wire was laid on the bones of elisha and came back to life there's there's stories of resurrection in the old testament and and even prophecy concerning uh resurrection isaiah chapter 6 26, verse 19, I think this is in your uh, slides, Brooklyn, there you go, um, says this, but those who die in the Lord will live, their bodies will rise again, those who sleep in the earth will rise up and sing for joy, for your life-giving light will fall like dew on your dead people in the place of the dead. Your life-giving light. I love that. This is Isaiah prophecy. The life-giving light. Who's the life-giving light? Jesus is known as the light of the world. When the life-giving light falls upon you, your dead body will come to life, right? But even with that, people still argued about it. I think I've told you before that that was one of the differences in the the teachers in Jesus' time. You had the Pharisees who did believe in resurrection. You had the Sadducees who didn't believe in resurrection. And that's why they were sad, you see. (laughs) I've used that joke at least seven times and you still are surprised when I throw it out again right it is it, it was it was disagreed upon. Now even today, there's there's questions around it. You have some belief strains that would say there's not going to be a physical resurrection where we're spirit and we'll be raised in spirit. What what is the answer? I I believe that there is a physical resurrection, and I think Scripture backs that up. And I hope to share that with you today. As I said, we could go we could turn this into a long teaching thing. Um, I've got 20 minutes. Uh, to help you understand this, all right, so let 's go to second Corinthians chapter five verses one through five
1: For we know that
0: when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, and paul 's not taking a shot at your weight problem it 's just a metaphor. For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is, when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. We grow weary in our present bodies and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. For we will put, for we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. <coughs> Excuse me. While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and sigh, but it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put our new bodies on so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up in life. God Himself has prepared us for this, and as a guarantee, He has given us His Holy Spirit. The word of God for the people of God. Amen. Thanks be to God. He says, So we live in this tent, this this shell, this this broken down mess <laughs> that we all have. And 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 this thing isn't built for the long haul. How many can testify to that? The warranty runs out on it quickly. And then you go for titanium parts to replace them. (laughs) And even those don't last very long, right? Human flesh equals death after the fall. Human flesh equals death after the fall. God created Genesis. God created everything perfectly in the Garden of Eden, before sin entered the picture, there was no sin, there was no death, there was no crying, there was no pain, there was no doctors, there was no surgeries, because everything was perfect, but once sin entered the world, we call this the fall of man, once sin entered the world, the consequence of sin is death. And since that time, from the moment we're born we are in the process of dying. I didn't mean to put a pall over you. That's it's not very encouraging, right? You're in the midst of dying, but that's that's the reality. This this body has a an expiration date on it and as long as we're associated with this body we are associated with death. And, and, and Paul says, and all of creation is, is just yearning and groaning and moaning. You do it every time you get up i 'm tired of this, and he says, well, none of us want to die. Well, none of us are in a hurry to die so we can get our new bodies, but we are in a hurry to have this body of death replaced with life, and what God brings is life. This body has a, an expiration date. It's, it's, it, it's not built to last through eternity. It can't take that. It's a shell in which a tent, if you will, that Paul uses the metaphor. It's a tent that we live in until, it, to to give us a chance to to learn more about God to to identify with him to place our life in him to live in Christ so that as we transfer from this body into eternity we have aligned ourselves with our maker and we are living in Christ a God who wants true love has to give space for people to choose against him and so God wanted us to live life in a way that we would choose to love Him and follow Him. And so this is where we are, the the great laboratory, the great uh, school teacher of what it means to place our lives in Christ. In our time, we have the benefit of seeing the example of Jesus Christ, of what that looks like. But it's been the intention forever to live our life in a way that prepares us for what God wants to do. And we look forward to that day when we will be transferred from this brokenness into what God has for us. And if you notice, it says you're not just going to be spirits swarming around. We're going to have physical bodies. And I think we have to remind ourselves the story of the Bible, start, genera- uh, start uh, Genesis in Revelation, it bookends two perfect worlds, right? God created, everything was perfect. We had the fall, and sin entered the world. And ever since then, we've been building back to where Revelation 21, there will be a new heaven and a new earth, and the old heaven and the old earth have passed away, and there will be no more crying, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more tears. We're headed back to another perfect creation. But we're in the build back right here. So we are in our tent, but it's not just a time to do whatever you want. It's a time to lean in to following Jesus to being in Christ he he invited people to follow him in his ministry he invites us as disciples to continue to follow him and that's not just in the way he walked the earth but that's in the way that in from death he was resurrected crucified dead and buried the third day he rose from the dead he ascended to heaven we are meant to follow the footsteps of Jesus, be, be followers of Him, not just in life, but in death. Those of us who are in Christ will be raised with Him as well. Let's go to First uh, Corinthians 15, beginning in verse 35.
1: But someone may ask, how will
0: the dead be raised? What kind of bodies will they have? What a foolish question. When you put a seed into the ground, it doesn't grow into a plant unless it dies first. And what you put in the ground is not the plant that will grow, but only a bare seed of wheat or whatever you're planting. Then God gives it the new body He wants it to have. A different plant grows from each kind of seed. Similarly, there are different kinds of flesh. One kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, another for fish. There are also bodies in the heavens and bodies on the earth. The glory of the heavenly bodies is different from the glory of the heavenly bodies. Uh, earthly bodies the sun has one kind of glory while the moon and stars each have another kind of glory and even the stars different from each other in their glory whenever you hear glory in in the scriptures think great white light perfect white light a, a blinding light that we are are that would blow our brains out right God is so perfect and so other than, so perfect that we, we, we could, these bodies couldn't even handle looking at him. Remember the story of Moses?
1: He was on the mountain of God, wanted to see God. God
0: was like, I'll blow the DNA out your ears if you look at me. But I will allow you to look at my robe as I pass by. And even that, that glimpse of who God was, caught Moses and turned his hair white. The transfiguration story that we have of Jesus and Peter, James and John up on the, the mountain as as the presence of God opened up, Jesus began to glow with a, a great white light. Shekinah is the the Hebrew word for for glory. It means shiny. The glory of God, the light of God, the 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 perfection of God shining through as we're destined from glory, the glory we're headed to look more like God. Verse 42, It is the same way with the resurrection of the dead. Our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die, but they will be raised to live forever. Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they'll be raised in glory. They are buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. They are buried as natural human bodies, but they will be raised as spiritual bodies. For just as there are natural bodies, there are also spiritual bodies. The scriptures tell us the first man, Adam, became a living person. But the last Adam, that is Jesus Christ, is a life-giving spirit. What comes first is the natural body, then the spiritual body comes later. Adam, the first man, was made from the dust of the earth, while Christ, the second man, came from heaven. Earthly people are like earthly man; Heavenly people are like the heavenly man. Just as we are now like the earthly man, we will someday be like the heavenly man. And if you don't under, if that confuses you, welcome to reading Paul. What I am saying, dear brothers and sisters, is that our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These dying bodies cannot inherit what will last forever. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret: We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever, and we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. And then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, the scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power but thank god he gives us victory over sin and death through jesus christ so my dear brothers and sisters be strong and immovable always work enthusiastically for the lord for you know that nothing you do for the lord is ever useless the word of god for the people of god thanks be to god you these bodies can't handle the glory of god the sin that is a part of who we are, they just can't handle you can't handle the truth you can't handle it. it 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 It's not a suitable dwelling place for the Lord. the Holy Spirit dwells in us, and if we dwell in him, we'll bear much fruit, but apart from him we can do nothing john fifteen but but as a as a permanent dwelling place we're not worthy of that sin has tarnished us. And so in order for us to be raised like Christ, we have to die like Christ. We have to die to our sinful nature to be raised along with Him. And we need to die from this earthly body so that we can be raised in heavenly form. There's this talk about the first Adam and the second Adam. First Adam brought sin. Second Adam, Jesus brought life. We're born into sin. We're saved from sin by Jesus. Again, we're not just to follow Jesus in the way we act, the way He acted on earth, but we are meant to follow Him
1: through life, through death, and into
0: eternity. He, he, he's created. Remember Jesus said, don't, don't worry to the disciples that night before He gave Himself up for us. He said to them, don't let your hearts be troubled. I'm going to prepare a place for you. This gives that a little different meaning, doesn't it? He, he's not just preparing. It's not just a heavenly mansion that He's preparing for us. He's, he's preparing our physical bodies. And if we're going to follow Jesus, then we can assume that it's going to be a little like Jesus. We know that after Jesus was raised from the dead, that he was seen in a physical form. Different, but, but still a physical form. He was able to walk through a door, which we can't do, right? But he still needed to eat, on the beach when he, he went to me, uh, give Peter the chance to reconcile himself. He was on the beach. They were out in the boat. Peter jumped in, came up. Jesus had prepared a fire with some fish on it and sat down to eat with them. He wasn't a ghost. He had a, he had a heavenly body. Right? In communion, we, we rehearse the, the fact that this is uh, what we do in communion and what we do in life is a, re- a rehearsal of looking forward to what's going to happen in the kingdom of heaven. That As we gather at the table, it's a foretaste of being seated at the banquet table of the Lord in eternity. Well, you don't set a banquet for people that don't eat. If we're all just going to be a bunch of ghosts going, you don't need a banquet table.
1: There's going to be a physical resurrection. It,
0: if you see these bookends, God is taking us back to what He created in the first place. Right? That, that's what He's doing. It's a restoration of what He did. And it's not because it's plan B. It's not like He created, made everything wonderful, put Adam and Eve in, in the garden, and they screwed up and they went, oh, Man, now what do I do? It's not, no, before the foundations of the earth were even laid, Christ, uh, God already knew how he was going to win us back. The, uh, The opportunity for us to choose him rather than to be programmed for him was so important that he was willing to make an allowance for sin.
1: We get the privilege
0: of choosing. Are we going to live our life in Christ? Are we going to do it ourselves? The other thing he brings out is these bodies are... We can't even... I think we don't get much of a description of heaven because our mind wouldn't even be able to handle it. Right? It just... It wouldn't even make sense. I think that's part of the mystery of Revelation that as John had this vision of the heavens and stuff, how do you describe the impossible? How do you describe the eternal, divine beauty and glory... uh, with no reference points, I think that's why uh, revelation is so mysterious to us. But there, there is going to be a place for us.
1: We, in 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 the Christian church and in Methodist church specifically, we don't do funerals. We do celebration of life. Why? Because we don't believe that those who are in Christ. Are dead,
0: we believe they're resurrected to life, and I know if you have somebody that is gone, it doesn't take away the pain of them being gone, but the hope of the Christian message is that we will see them someday again that they will that they're a part of the great cloud of witnesses that they're a part of the communion of saints, and they get to see in full what we only see in part, and someday we get. To join in with that. That's why we can sing a song like It Is Well With My Soul, even though it seems like culture's going down a toilet right in our midst. Because even though the culture is messed up, we serve a God who is good. And He has taken care of every detail. When we get to heaven, when that day comes, when the trumpet sounds, It says, all those who have been dead are going to be raised from the dead. And whatever generation is here that didn't die, not everyone's going to die. There will be a generation of people that are here when Christ returns, and they're not going to die, they're just going to be instantly transformed. But we will all receive our heavenly bodies, and they're going to be good enough to last for all of eternity. What does that look like? I don't know. Uh, Like I said before,
1: I hope it doesn't look like this. And I'm not even sure
0: it's going to be a form of this. What he says is, it's a seed like an apple seed doesn't look anything like an apple tree, right? But when you plant an apple seed and it dies and then grows, it's, it's beautiful and gives fruit. And we're just in the seed part right now. And once we die and are raised, we'll bloom in some beautiful way. It's going to be so much better, even better than your 19-year-old self or whatever was your your uh, hero years. I
1: peaked about age five, but that's a, <laughs> right. So, what does this all mean
0: for us? I mean, it'd be easy to say, "So, you know, God's going to make everything new." So, as long as I know who Jesus is, then I, that's good. But no, that's. Paul ends this passage by saying nothing you do for the world for the lord is ever a waste of time. Remember, what's the church? The church is the hands and feet of Christ, the body of Christ to continue ministry to the world. This is a proving ground, a training ground for us. This is where we we take this broken tent and get it tuned up so it's acceptable to be remade for for the beauty of heaven. Follow Jesus in everything you do. Yes, God's going to make us new, but that doesn't make this throw away. This is a gift. Our life is a gift. It's one in which He's given us the privilege of walking beside Him and making a difference. It's not just so that we can get to heaven, but we can get the people we love and the people in our neighborhoods and the people in our work and the people that live in other countries and as many people as we can to come with us to enjoy the beauty of who God is and what He does for us.
1: This is. We need to consecrate ourselves to Him.
0: Dedicate ourselves as holy and living sacrifices in union with Christ's offering for us so that we can be in ministry to all the world. Yes, we're going to be remade. But in the meantime, here's my question. We don't do funerals. We do celebration of life. What are we going to celebrate in your life? One of the saddest things I have to do as a pastor is do a funeral for somebody that the only thing they can come up with is he loved the Dallas Cowboys and Miller beer, And both of those things are losers. I'm a Broncos fan, so uh, <laughs> you want to talk about losers anyway. But
1: make your life count. It's a
0: gift. It's a gift. Yes, we have eternal promise. So many of the old old um, gospel songs, the, the problem I have with them, it's when we get to heaven, then we'll, we'll sell it.
1: Bring heaven to earth. That's
0: our mission. Heaven already came to earth in the form of Jesus Christ. And He gave Himself completely to you, and His Spirit dwells in you so that you can bring heaven to the brokenness around us.
1: We're not all going to die, but we will all be transformed. That gives hope.
0: If you are missing someone, Wednesday, All Saints Day, if there's someone in your life that you want to, yes, miss them, that relationship, there is a hole there, but have the faith and the knowledge and the, the promise that they're not gone. They're just home,
1: and we get to join them someday. Why don't you bow with me? Heavenly Father, um, thank you. Thank you you have taken care of every single detail that we need to come to know you fully, every detail And we don't want to be ungrateful recipients of your
0: grace and love and generosity. so every moment we have, every day we get up, every breath we take, allow us to do it in your honor. And
1: for your glory. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.